Thank you, worship team. You guys are awesome. Now that's what you get when you come to worship practice. Your sister says, why don't you do that part? Now, thank you. That was fun. One of my favorite songs. If you don't like that song, you're probably not going to like being in heaven. Amen? We're going to be singing Worthy as a Lamb a lot. Amen? So today's message is, um, it's not one of those that you think are going to be like a lot of fun. I believe it's going to be a heck of a lot of fun because there's been such a sense and spirit of fear, I believe, in this season um, of, it's like a transitional season. I think the Lord is transitioning us, getting us ready. I'm getting his church ready, getting the bride ready. Amen. Um, and there's lots of different um, theologies and doctrines. And, and I want to just um, remind you that Tozer, not that he's God or nothing, but um, an awesome Christian mystic um, wrote a book called The Knowledge of the Holy. And, and in the first couple pages, he makes a statement and he says basically this, whatever you think about when you think about God is the most important thing about you. And when I read that, it just stopped me. And I begin to question that. I mean, to look at that and examine that. And that, I believe, is 100% accurate. Very true. Whatever you think about when you think about God is the most important thing about you. So if you think about God and you picture yourself as um, this really nobody that nobody really cares about, nobody really sees, um, or that you, you see God as this big old creature that is just waiting for you to step out of line so he can pound you into submission. That's going to affect a whole heck of a lot of things about you and your walk with God. Amen? So whatever you think about when you think about God is super important. In that, I believe that eschatology is super important. Now, a lot of church and a lot of um, ministers don't think it's that important, but I believe it plays a whole big part in whatever you think about when you think about God. And whatever you think about when you think about God is going to have a pretty good um, bearing on your belief in who God is. And the book of Revelation is, a, is the unveiling of Jesus Christ. So it's important to, to study that. It's important to understand that, to know who he is. And Jesus, when he was on the earth, he said, if you've seen me, you've seen the Father. Amen? And the Holy Spirit, who he's so awesomely given to us to indwell us, which, by the way, separates us from any other people group and age that there's ever been. You ever think about that? We are the only people, since the church was created and empowered at Pentecost, that's had the Holy Spirit as a whole group of people indwell, not just prophets, kings, and priests, not just Jewish people, Jew and Gentile, everybody, sons and daughters, old men and young men, indwelt by the Holy Spirit. That's ridiculously awesome. So as we understand and, and look at Scripture and look at who Christ is and who God is and who the Holy Spirit is, it's going to play a part. And then Scripture. Amen? So there's lots of different theologies, and, and I'm not, I don't want to sound like I've got it all figured out. I've got all the answers. Just ask me. I don't have it all figured out, and I don't have all the answers. But in studying a lot and seeing Scripture in content and context and having your own personal relationship with God and seeing who He is and what He's like. Amen? That is going to help you see 
what Jesus is like and what he's unveiling and what he's speaking. So there's, there's a lot of different um, eschatological positions. And one that's very popular and getting, gaining more and more popularity is pre-wrath, which sounds really good, right? I'm a pre-wrath person, but I'm a pre-tribulational pre-wrath person. And pre-wrath is another way to say mid-trib. So pre-wrath says and believes that the wrath, as we see when, when Jesus is in the fourth chapter and fifth chapter as the conquering king, holding the scepter as the lion of the tribe of Judah, and he's the one opening the seals, that we can see is he's the one opening the seals. So that's wrath. So pre-wrath would say that's not wrath. That's just the wrath of the Antichrist. It's not really God's wrath. Well, who's opening the seal? So who's sending the Antichrist? The one opening the seals. He's been restrained up until what point? Thessalonians says until that which restrains him is removed. And that which restrains him, some people argue over, well, it's the Holy Spirit. Some people say, it's the church. How many of you know sometimes it's yes and yes? Has there ever been a body of Christ in, before the church? No. You know what makes the body of Christ? The Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit that indwells each one of us as the church makes the body of Christ. So, when that, that restrainer has to be removed before the Antichrist can come. Amen? Okay, so why am, I, why am I teaching today? Why am I going over some of the differences? Because I do not, as your, I hate saying the word shepherd because Jesus is our shepherd. How, as your sheepdog, how's that? As your sheepdog, um, I do not want you to be afraid. I do not want you to be in fear. The Bible says that God has not given us a spirit, and it is a spirit, of fear, but of what? Love, power, and a sound mind. So I know that he loves us, and he loves me, and you should feel like he loves you tremendously, so much so that you were so ridiculously awesome in his sight that he said, I must have you in your jacked up state. Which just mess, that is the most ridiculous, amazing grace ever. Like, I gotta have that wrecked, destroyed, like this old car that was bounced off every single tree, ran without oil or water, and was just, just, just beat to smithereens, and then flipped upside down multiple times, and he's like, oh, I gotta have that. When there's like a bre beautiful, brand new car lot right next there. So, nope, I gotta have that. No good reason. And he gives the most prized possession that he has to purchase us. You follow me? That's a crazy love. So perfect love casts out all fear. So why is the church afraid? That's a, that could be a whole sermon in itself. I'm not going to let that be. Because I don't believe we really understand and know what we believe. Because whatever you think about when you think about God is the most important thing about you. Amen? So, I'm here today to look at some problems I see with mid- and post-tribulation. 
biblically, not my opinion, biblically. Is that okay with you? Good, because I'm going to do it anyways. <laughs> I'm glad you're on board. So my first big problem is this. And if you're taking notes, I would. Just take these notes and scripture reference. If, there is a, if we are not going to be raptured before God's wrath, then we would be looking and waiting for the Antichrist to come into the world. You hearing me? then we're waiting for Antichrist. Jesus would have said, just wait for Antichrist, and then you'll know where you're going to land. So from Antichrist, is make, and we know in Daniel he's going to make a treaty, and Paul references that in Thessalonians too, that he's going to make peace and a treaty with the ten-nation world government, like another revised Roman government. He's going to make treaty with the world and peace with Israel and the world. That's how it's going to start. That's the beginning. So we would be able to go, okay, well, when that happens, we can measure off either three and a half years or seven years, or we can watch from that point in the book of Revelation and go, okay, well, here's, if you're pre-wrath, well, here's the, where the moon and the stars and all these signs are, then that's our spot. And the problem with that is that's just not what the Bible tells us to do. The Bible never nowhere tells us to look and wait for Antichrist. Titus chapter 2, if we could put that up. For the grace of God has appeared, bringing salvation to all men. Isn't that awesome? Next verse. Instructing us to deny ungodliness and worldly desires and to live sensibly, righteously, and godly in the present age. So I'm going to stop for a second. In the present age, that tells us there's other ages. I'm the sharp, I'm so smart, right? In this present age. Okay, well, that means there's ages before this one and ages after. Amen? So people who don't believe in a millennial age, kind of jacked up. And having understanding that there's different dispensations really help you understand how the Bible fits together. Amen? So, in this present age, continue. Looking for, what? The blessed hope and the appearing of the glory of our great God and Savior, Jesus Christ. Church, what are we to be looking for? What's it called? If you're waiting for Antichrist and the wrath poured out on you, I'm pretty sure God would have thought a different name. Wouldn't be a blessed hope. There's no hope during that time and during that age. I don't know if you've read it. It's a hopeless it's no bueno. People are crawling into caves saying, I, I just wish the rocks and, and would fall on me and kill me. And they're looking for death and can't find it. Like, that's some, that's hopeless. What are we looking for? The blessed hope and the appearing of the glory of our great God. The appearing of the glory. You guys, we are going to see Jesus in a very different way than anyone's ever seen him. In full glory. Like, in power. Not as... The lamb, not as the humble servant, that there was nothing to draw you to him, biblically. We're going to see him as the king of kings and the lord of lords and all of his glory. How many are looking forward to that? Like, that's exciting. Like, if you're not looking forward to that, you are not looking forward to that. You follow me? We're either looking forward like, yes, come Jesus, come. Or we're like, oh no, don't come. 
But there's not an in the middle in there. This is our blessed hope. You guys, is hope fearful? Would a blessed hope be you be afraid of that? No, we should, as the church, these are not fearful times. And if someone could kill that heater, that'd be, are you guys cold or warm? If not, I'm going to preach down there and you all come up here because you could probably fit today. <laughs> this is our blessed hope. This is an exciting time. This is a time that we should be excited, encouraging one another, saying, he's getting ready to come. And if you're ready, you're not afraid. You're not discouraged. You should be encouraging one another and telling other people, dude, people get ready. Jesus is coming. Hello? Now that looks and sounds a lot different than what I've been living in. And don't get me wrong, I get it. We're bombarded by fear. The news, the media, even Christians. You better prepare. You better stock up. You better. And I'm not saying, look, use some wisdom. There's a bunch of containers that are stuck off, off the shore, right? It might be a good idea to stock up on some stuff. But at the end of the day, Here's what I know about the Lord. He can make manna fall from heaven for his people. He can feed Elijah with ravens. Jesus literally said about things not to worry about. And he said the two biggest things that would give you a reason to worry. And I love, he says, why are you worried about clothing? Why are you worried about food? And I'm like, because it's like clothing and it's food. I mean, I get don't worry about what boat you have. I get don't worry about what car. He says, don't worry about your clothes. Don't worry about food. The birds don't store up. That's what he said. Birds don't store up in barns. And yet I provide for them every single day. And how much more important are you? And how much more do I love you than those birds? I'm pretty sure I'm going to be okay. Because last time I checked on my whole calendar of life, he has never failed me. And he said, I'll never leave you nor forsake you. Come to me, all you who are weary and heavy laden, and I will give you rest. That means I can rest in the midst of this. I can have joy in the midst of this. I'm not saying be dumb. No, he didn't say be dumb, but don't worry. God has not given you a spirit of fear. So whatever motivates fear is not a blessed thing from God. When people, listen, thank you, Holy Spirit. I wasn't planning on saying any of this. But when the people of Israel went and tried to store up more than God said, what happened to it? It rotted away. Why did he do that? You think he was trying to teach them something, maybe? You think maybe he wanted us to learn something? You don't need to store up. I will provide for you every single day. Amen? Now, don't take that wrong and say, if, if you bought an extra bag of beans or whatever else, you've got extra canned goods right now, Pastor Steve's saying you don't have faith. I'm not saying that. I'm just saying, whatever you do, you shouldn't be freaked out and afraid. And I'm pretty sure he's, he's made us to be a body of Christ that if I have something and you need it, I'm going to help you out. Hello? Amen. We don't want to be Ananias and Sapphira. And yes, I believe that, that that level of Holy Spirit poured out on people and requirement to walk in holiness is coming. You guys are, hello, I know it's cold and rainy, but good Lord. I feel like this is a better message than what you're responding, just saying. <laughs> like, he, he is so good. And he says, if you draw close to me, 
I will draw close to you. Now, church, when you get close to him and he draws close to you, sometimes you got to take off your shoes. He says, uh, you're on holy ground. That means we're in a little different place now. You remember the early church? Signs and wonders and miracles were happening. I believe that day is coming, and it's beginning. But with that, that's going to require us to walk a little different. To walk a little closer. To realize that I can't, maybe what I could do before, now I need to really be careful. There's a requirement to that closeness. There's a requirement to being in his presence. It's a little different, amen? That's not a scary, I'm just saying, prepare yourselves. Amen? Looking for the blessed hope, who gave himself for us. Wow, he gave himself for us to what? Redeem us. We've been bought with a price. We are so precious. He's our savior. That's who he is. It's like God is love. God is faithful. He is our redeemer. He can't help but redeem us. It's what he does. He's a savior. What do saviors do? So you mean to tell me the savior of the world is going to watch his bride and send the bride who's spotless, blameless, washed by his very blood. God sees us as holy, righteous, as if we've never sinned. And be like, I'm going to teach you a lesson. What lesson is there for me to be taught? I think you already taught me the lesson. And you walked it out perfectly. You were the second Adam. The first Adam failed. You didn't fail. And you exchanged your life for my life, which means I am righteous and holy in the Father's sight. That's a good day. There's no reason to walk in fear. What are you afraid of? It's, he's not doing, he loves me, he loves me not. He loves me, he loves me not. He, lo he loves me, he loves me, he loves me, he loves me. Goose, 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 goose. Those were here last Sunday, we'll get that. It's not playing duck, duck, goose. It's goose, 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 goose. Looking for the blessed hope and the appearing of, God, of the glory of our great God and Savior Jesus Christ, who gave himself for us to redeem us from every lawless deed and to purify for himself a people for his own possession, eager for good deeds. His own possession, a people, we're his own possession. What's the thief come to do? Still kill and destroy. But when we're a people of his own position, it says, no demon, no angel, nothing can steal you from God's, from God's plan, from his hand. Amen? Is that scripture? Is that, pretty, is that eternal security? Yes. Now, you can reject that, can you not? Did he give that to the children of Israel? Did they walk from it and leave it? Do we, can we do the same thing? Or has God programmed you and he says, like, you're like, cannot cannot leave, cannot leave, cannot leave. No, you have free will. You can go, I believe that, I agree with that, and I still don't want anything to do with it. Yes, you can. He says these things, what things? What we just read. Speak and exhort and rebuke with all authority. With what authority? All authority. No one is to disregard you, he's telling Titus. Preach this with all authority. No one's to disregard you. So that's why I'm doing that today. Now, I want you to look at the Greek word hope. In the Greek, it's pronounced elpes. Elpes. 
It's a primary word. It usually anticipates with pleasure. The word hope, with pleasure. It's an expectation or confidence, faith or hope. So another way to say that, it's joyfully confident expectation. Hope. Joyfully confident expectation. This is a blessed hope. Your blessed hope. Joyfully confident expectation. That sounds pretty good. If you read from chapter 6 on, that does not sound pretty good. Now, this is good. This means I'm excited about his appearing. I'm looking forward to that. I see the stuff starting to happen. I go, yay, we're about to get up out of here. Amen? That doesn't mean there's not going to be persecution on the earth for Christians. Because the church was birthed in what? Persecution. But that was man's persecution against the church. Or behind the spirit of Antichrist. The spirit of Antichrist has always hated Christ and always hated Christians. That's not God's wrath. Amen? And he is restrained. The, the, the Antichrist is restrained right now. Can you imagine? All this craziness is under restraint. And who's restraining? We're supposed to be the restrainer. And we are the restrainer. Can you imagine when we're not here? That's, that's not a good day. Jesus said it this way in John 14. One through three. You see, people started freaking out when Jesus says, I'm, I'm, I'm about to get up out of here. Whoa, 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 wait a minute. Wait a minute. I don't like that. What does Jesus, what does Jesus do? And what does he tell them? Do not let your heart be troubled. Church, do not let your heart be troubled. Do not let. That means you have a choice in that. Do not let. Whose heart? I can't control her heart. I can't control her heart or his heart. I can control my heart. Do not let you. Steve, don't let your heart be troubled. Believe in God. Believe also in me. Believe in God. Whatever you think about when you think about God is pretty important. Amen? Believe in God. In my Father's house are many rooms. If that were not so... I would have told you because I'm going there to prepare a place for you. And if I go and prepare a place for you, this, this is exciting. I am coming again and will take you to myself so that where I am, there ye will be also. In the same way he left, he's coming. Amen. He's not sending someone for us. Oh, no, I'm coming to get you. I'm coming to get you. I got to have her. I got to have the bride. My prized possession. The apple of my eye. Now, no good husband is going to let his bride-to-be be ravished by the Antichrist. Ain't going to happen. I will promise you, any husband worth anything is going to lay down his life before that sucker ever gets to her. And Jesus is our Savior. What do saviors do? It's not too complicated. Acts 1, 9 through 11. Are you starting to feel a little better this morning? I hope so. 
Acts 1, 9 through 11 says, And after he had said these things, he was lifted up while they were watching. And a cloud took him up out of their sight. And as they were gazing intently into the sky while he was going, then behold, two men in white clothing stood beside them. And they said, Men of Galilee, why do you stand looking into the sky? I love these questions. They're like, um, because Jesus like lifted off the ground and he's going up into heaven. I mean, that would be my answer. Um, did you not see this? But they're like, what are you doing? Why are you still standing here looking up? It says, this Jesus who has been taken up from you into heaven will come in the same way as you have watched him go into heaven. In the same way, personally, he's coming. 1 Thessalonians 4, 16 through 18 says, For the Lord himself will descend from heaven with a shout, with the voice of the archangel, and with the trumpet of God, and the dead in Christ will rise first. Then we who are alive, who remain, will be caught up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air. Now this is different than than the second coming. Where is the church meeting Jesus? In the air. Jesus isn't coming on to the, to the earth. There's a lot of people say, well, they're, they're one and the same. No, they're not. The second coming, Jesus is coming in chapter 19 onto the earth. And he's coming to kick some butt and take some names, just going to say. There's no question about that. This is called the rapture, the harpazo, the catching away, the snatching away of his bride. He's not coming on the earth. He is meeting in the clouds. Amen? That will be useful information for us later. Just wanted to start you there. All right. That's just one point, okay? I've got quite a few, but that's the first one. Believers would be looking and waiting for the Antichrist instead of the Lord. The second point is this, if you're taking notes. The restrainer must be removed before the Antichrist is revealed. So that's going to have a problem with your mid-trib or post-trib position. The restrainer. Who's the restrainer? The Holy Spirit in the church. And some will go, well, it's the Holy Spirit. And some will say, no, it's the church. It's the Holy Spirit in the church. And the term is used, he. And people go, well, well that, maybe that's like Michael the archangel. That's what a mid-trib or pre-wrath will say. Oh, it's Michael the archangel. Michael the archangel don't have the, the power to restrain all of hell. I mean, he wrestles, and he's got to get some more backup, more angels to come help. There's only, like, God can fully restrain and go, like, no. Here's your line. You can't go no further. You follow me? The fact that he says he, and people will go, well, it's only the Holy Spirit. What is the body of Christ? The church is the body of Christ. Jesus is the head. The Holy Spirit is a him, and the body, as the body, you follow me? There is no body outside of the Holy Spirit indwelling us. So the restrainer. Now watch. I just want to. I want you to see this for the order. Actually, let me. What time we got? We'll just do this. Second Thessalonians two seven and ten. That's what I gave you. So I'll stick with that. I was going to give you a little more. If you get the opportunity, read the second chapter of Second Thessalonians, so you can see. And by the way, content and context. 1 Thessalonians, 2 Thessalonians, rapture is not out of context or content because both of these books are written about the rapture of the church. 
the purpose of those two books. So I'm not out of content or context. Four, the mystery of lawlessness is already at work. And we know that to be the man of lawlessness, the Antichrist, which tells us previously in the book. The mystery of lawlessness is already at work. Only he who now restrains will do so until he is removed. What is that? He who now restrains will do so only until he is removed. Then, then the lawless one will be revealed. So, Antichrist cannot be revealed until when? Until the restrainer is removed. Then the Antichrist can be revealed. We know from the book of Daniel, when the Antichrist is revealed, that is what starts Daniel's 70th week, the seven-year tribulation, three and a half years of somewhat peace. And after that, he's going to go in and violate the covenant and place himself into the Holy of Holies and demand worship. So, when does that start? Paul is telling us very, he wants us to know, and he tells us early on, I don't want you to be ignorant. I, don't, I want you to understand. Look, quit worrying, is what he's saying. Stop worrying. Don't be afraid. The restrainer has to be removed before the Antichrist is going to come. So, once again, we're not looking for Antichrist. Come, Lord Jesus. Because he's what's going to come and take us, and then all of that chaos is going to start and ensue. Amen? He says, then the lawless one will be revealed, whom the Lord will eliminate with the breath of his mouth and bring to an end by the appearance of his coming. That's what Revelation tells us. That is, the one whose coming is in accord with the activity of Satan, with all power and false signs and wonders, and with all the deception of wickedness for those who perish. Why? Because they did not accept the love of the truth so as to be saved. So why, why is he coming to these people? Why are they perishing? Another way to say that is because they didn't accept the gospel. They did not accept the love of the truth so as to be saved. They didn't accept the gospel. They didn't receive the good news to receive salvation. So that's, what's, that's what the result. They didn't accept it. So that's their answer that they are going to have to deal with the wrath with Antichrist, with the wrath of God. Now, if you're a believer, you have received the truth and accepted it lovingly and excitingly, right? So that doesn't pertain to you. Is that good news? Yeah. That's good news. Okay, you get, there we go. Started to break through a little bit. Maybe I should encourage you a little bit more. I think we, I think, can you stand it? Yeah. Okay. Point three. I think you guys got that one. Is there, is, are you guys clear on that? Okay, point three, the church would find no hope, and this is, this one is, this is a big one. The church would find no hope or comfort for the imminent return of Jesus for his bride. That's the problem with mid and post-trib. Remember, what are we talking about? A problem is, with my problems with mid and post-trib is the church would find no comfort. There would be no comfort for Christ's return. And he tells us, comfort yourself. Well, you want me to comfort myself with what? That it's going to suck? Like, never before? Like, it's going to be, it is going to, to be 
worse time than there's ever been. Encourage yourself with that. You guys encourage yourself. I'm not feeling very encouraged. The church would find no hope. What did Jesus say? Don't let your heart be troubled. 1 Thessalonians chapter 4, 13 through 18. Listen to Paul's heart. He's writing to the Thessalonians who are freaked out. They thought, they thought they, some of the people are not going to make the rapture because people have died. And they were, they were expecting Christ's return imminently. Imminent means at any moment. They have learned from Paul. Paul had taught them that Jesus is, could return at any moment. So they're expecting that, and people start dying. They expect it so soon that they're like, oh, no, what about the people that died? They didn't get raptured. He's got to like, whoa, whoa, hold on a second. <laughs> so he begins to, to teach, and this is the fourth uh, chapter of Thess the first book of Thessalonians. He says, but we do not want you to be uninformed, brothers and sisters, about those who are asleep, so that you will not grieve as indeed the rest of mankind do, who have no hope. Who's supposed to have hope? Us. For if we believe that Jesus died and rose from the dead, so also God will bring with him those who've fallen asleep through Jesus. For we say this to you by the word of the Lord, that we who are alive and remain until the coming of the Lord will not precede those who have fallen asleep. For the Lord himself will descend from heaven with a shout, with the voice of the archangel and with the trumpet of God, and the dead in Christ will rise first. Then we who are alive, who remain, will be caught up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air. So we will always be with the Lord. Therefore, comfort one another with these words. Therefore. Why are we comfort? Therefore. He's coming. Guys, listen, listen to Paul's. The first line he says, we do not want you to be un uninformed. He does not want us uninformed. He does not want us worried or afraid. He wants us to comfort one another with this truth. Amen? So let's comfort one another, church. Don't let your heart be troubled. Don't be worried. Jesus is coming for us. Okay? This is, this is, this hope is exactly, listen to me, this hope is exactly what the church needs to cure our troubled hearts. His personal soon return is what brings us comfort and joy. Amen? What else brings you comfort and joy? Either one way or another. Seriously, like even death brings me comfort and joy now. I mean, for myself. It doesn't bring when other people die. I don't like that. But if they're saved, it actually brings me comfort and joy too. Because this is going to be awesome. Like, if you die as a believer, you just beat the rapture. That's all. You beat the rapture. And what's, what are we looking for? What's our blessed hope? Leaving this place, right? Beating Jesus. So what does death have over us? Maybe that's what he means. Hey, death, where is your sting? Yeah, where is it? Because that means, like, I'm early raptured. <laughs> I'm pre-rapture. If I die before the rapture, like that's awesome. It's not awesome for us that have lost loved ones. 
But it's awesome if they know the Lord. It's not hopeless. This is exactly what the church needs to cure our troubled hearts. And I do believe, like, this time should be one of the most comforting times for us as the church. It's so hard because we're being blasted all the time by fear. But where does that come from? So how much attention should you give it and how much of it should you allow into your life? For God has not given you the spirit of fear. Well, if God hasn't given it to you, where does it come from? It's not a holy spirit. It's a what? Evil spirit. So how long and how much should we sit there in front of something and let the evil spirit entertain us and deceive us? Why well, just, just one more story? Rabbit hole this. Oh, I'm speaking. I'm speaking truth right now. From experience. What is that? What is that? Oh, what is that? Instead of, what is this? What is this? What is this? This is great. Right? What do you do with people who are like this? Oh my gosh, the world's coming in two and you're all, I know, isn't it awesome? What? Like you must know something I don't know. Yes, his name is Jesus. Not in the store freaking out too. No, give me the toilet paper. I got to leave California. I got to find a place where there's no antichrist spirit. What are you thinking? Like the Antichrist spirit isn't in Colorado or Tennessee or Oklahoma or Idaho? They're already done made Idaho so expensive, Californians can't even live there no more. Now they're on to other states. Now listen, if God tells you to move, then move. But if God hasn't told you, stop it. You're not going to outrun whatever California law passes hits the rest of the United States. So you're going to go through all the moving trouble, all the other stuff, and then you're going to be in the same boat. And by the way, show me biblically where God says, run! <laughs> See, that's fear. That's, that's watching all this stuff and, and getting freaked out. And we all have the capacity. I have that capacity no one is immune to that if that's all you put in and watch. Even if it's not all, even you go, well, I just want to watch a little bit. That is destroying your faith and your confidence and your hope. Because then you start questioning it. And that's all the devil needs is a little bit of doubt. To each one of us, listen to me, to each one of you, who loves him, he is saying, I'm coming soon, and we should be shouting with joy, come, Lord Jesus, come. When you hear him say, I'm coming soon, the correct answer is, come, Lord Jesus, come. And not because this is so awful, get me out of here. You're just like, yes, this has been my whole desire and plan from the beginning. Let's go. Right? When you guys play football or any other sport, you get to say, let's go. Like, that's what we should be doing to one another. Like, dude, Jesus is getting ready to come. Yeah, let's go! That's a little different. 
Can you handle another one? Yep, one more. Yeah, this one should, should last us. Still hammering on the imminence. What's imminence, church? At any moment. At any moment. A mid-trib, pre-wrath, post-trib, whatever. They defy the doctrine of imminence. And why is that important? Glad you asked. So glad you asked. What is the doctrine of imminence at any moment? I'm going to turn to the most amazing prophet ever, Jesus. He says in Luke 21, 34 through 36. You're jacked up. I'm sorry. I'm just going to say that. Your theology is messed up if you argue with Jesus. Right? What's he say? But be on guard. But be on guard so that your hearts will not be weighed down with dissipation and drunkenness and the worries of life. Worries of life. And that this day will not come on you suddenly like a trap. Be on guard, church. Be on guard. Now, why would he tell us to be on guard so that this day doesn't come on us suddenly like a trap if it's not at any moment? Not like, don't worry about it, because you know the Antichrist is going to show up and make a peace treaty. Now, here's something that I didn't even know, but we just assume that the very moment that the church is raptured, that the, like, the church is raptured like a second before the Antichrist makes a peace treaty. Nowhere in the Bible does it say that. I don't know what the time, I don't know how much it is between rapture. It doesn't say I don't think it's a long time, but I don't believe it's the, that very second. We don't know. So, be on your guard so that your heart will not be weighed down with dissipation or drunkenness and the worries of life, and that this day will come upon you suddenly like a trap. For it will come upon all those who live on the face of all the earth, but stay alert at all times, praying that you will have strength to escape all the... What? Escape all these things that are going to take place and stand before the Son of Man. Escape all these things. Be on your guard so that your hearts will not be weighed down with dissipation and drunkenness and the worries of life. And that this day will come on you suddenly like a trap. Be on guard. Matthew 24, Jesus says, verses 36 through 44. But about that day and hour... No one knows, not even the angels of heaven, nor the Son, but the Father alone. For the coming of the Son of Man will be just like the days of Noah. I like that. For as in those days before the flood, they were eating and drinking, marrying and giving in marriage until the day that Noah entered the ark. And they did not understand until the flood came and took them all away. So will be the coming of the Son of Man. Wow, Jesus says, just like that. Now, did they, did they see that there was a boat getting built? Had Noah been telling them, hey, you all need to get ready. Now, let me ask you this. this I thought this was super cool. How do they get into the ark? Through what? Through what? No, no. The door is right. 
What did they enter in? Through what? Hmm. Oh, what was that, Howard? Jesus is the door. That's what he said. He says, I am the door. He said, it's going to be just like those days when Noah went into the ark. What did the ark do? Save them from what? Which was what? They had to go through what? If you didn't go through the door, you're going to deal with the wrath. Hmm. Did he tell Noah what day was going to start raining? Hmm. You see my problem with mid-trib and pre-wrath defying the doctrine of eminence? Before the flood, they were eating and drinking, marrying and giving in a marriage until the day Noah entered the ark. And they did not understand until the flood came and took them all away. So will the coming of the Son of Man be. At that time, there will be two men in the field. One will be taken and one will be left. Two women will be grinding at the mill. One will be taken and the one will be left. Therefore, Jesus says, therefore, be on the alert. Be on the alert. That means be on the alert. Be watching. Like, I don't know when that's going to come. Be on the alert. For you do not know which day your Lord is coming. But be sure of this, that if the head of the house had known at what time the night of the thief was coming, he would have been on the alert and would not have allowed his house to be broken into. For this reason, what's he say? You must be ready. For this reason, you must be ready as well. For the Son of Man is coming at an hour when you do not think he will. Hmm. He goes on in Matthew 25. And, and there's so many more I can, so many more references I could be sharing, but I want you to see this one because it just continues on. Matthew 25, the story of the, of the ten virgins. And I'm going to shorten it. Starting verse 10. But while they were on their way to buy the oil, what had happened? They had ran out. Now there's this, this can mean all kinds of different things. Some people will say, well, this, there's five Jewish versions, and then there's the five, which are the church. Could be. This is kind of interesting thought, is we're the five Jewish ones called by God. Yeah, first, the first covenant, called the Jewish people. What's the oil represent? The Holy Spirit. So, five had oil, five didn't. Now, that's, there's all kinds of study on that. We can go into that. But my main point is this. I want you to see is that while they were on their way to buy oil, the groom came. Did any of the virgins know what time the groom was coming? No. Here's the main thing. There was five who were what? Ready. Five were ready. What is Jesus saying through all, I mean, be alert, watch, be ready, prepare yourself. And then he gives a story. While they were on their way to buy the oil, the groom came, and those who were ready went in with him. Where did they go? Wedding feast. Yes. To the wedding feast. And what was shut? 
What? The door was shut. That means the way in. I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man comes to the Father but by me. The door was shut. Now, there's going to be a lot of people saved during the tribulation, I believe. So what does that mean? The door was shut. This is so sad to me. People that have had an opportunity, the people that have had an opportunity and rejected Christ, the door, when, when he comes, that door is shut. And they will be under a strong delusion. So then who's going to get saved? Those who have never heard the gospel. There's going to be a world full of people who have never heard the, heard the gospel. And the 144,000 are going to be witnessing and the two witnesses are going to be witnessing to people who've never heard the gospel. And you're going to have Jews who understand all of the um, law, the purpose of the law. They're going to understand all the festivals, everything, and recognize their Messiah. And going to be going the most amazing evangelists that have ever hit the earth. In the midst of all hell breaking loose and being able to very, very easily see good, evil. But for these, the door's closed. And these people who've never heard the gospel are going to have an opportunity. That's, that's just. And these who've already had the opportunity and you said, no, I don't want no part of it. The door's closed. Church, do you see how important this is? The doctrine of eminence is important because it so greatly affects our character, our conduct, and our service. Does it not? How many different times did Jesus say, watch and be ready? Watch and be ready. He talked about the servants. You don't know the day that your master's coming back. Watch and be ready. People that are in this, I, think, I believe it's very dangerous, some of these other doctrines, because you're able to, people could go like, well, I'll be right, I'll just wait for this to happen. No, that's not what Jesus said. There's a doctrine, it's called eminence. It means at any moment he can return. The early church believed that. And there's so many weird teachings. There's like, like well, the early church, the early church fathers didn't believe that. Well, the Thessalonians sure as heck did. They believed it so much that they were afraid people were dying before Jesus came. They're going, oh no, we missed it. So I don't care if the Catholic church changed stuff and they decided, oh, did I say that? Yeah. If they changed that and then all the rest of the churches are thinking like, oh, we're already in the millennium. No, we're not in the millennium. I don't see lions laying down with lambs. I don't see peace on earth. I'm not mad. I'm just, this doctrine of eminence is important. It will greatly affect how you live. It will greatly affect how you witness. It will greatly affect how you walk with the Lord. And I'm not saying you need to be scared to death because I'm a son. But there's a reality of like being a son that when daddy can come home at any moment, that keeps you honest. Does it not? If you know what time dad's coming home, you're like, eh, I got five hours. Plenty of time. You think a good father knows that? It affects our conduct. It affects our service. You see, when we believe he can return at any moment, it spurs us on to live in the light of an eternal reality. Does it not? 
When you believe that he can come in, it spurs you on to live in the light of an eternal reality. There's an eternal reality, and some of it is hitting some of you. It's supposed to. It's supposed to hit us. It's supposed to shake us. It's supposed to radically affect us that he's going to come, and whatever we are in that moment is going to affect your eternity. It's a very important truth. See, it causes us to have a sense of urgency to evangelize, does it not? Aren't most of you thinking right now is like you're thinking of people that need Jesus. That is by design. Not my design, by his design. He's saying, watch and be ready. You don't know the day or the hour. You need to be telling everyone that you know, Jesus is coming. People, get ready. Get ready. He's coming. You say, yeah, Steve, I've heard that for years. Yeah, me too. And he is closer now than he's ever been. That's the truth. You're to live in such a way that he can come at any moment. You're also to live in such a way that the Thessalonians, they started going like, he's going to come at any moment. Don't tell me they didn't believe this because then some of them quit working. Paul had to literally say, hey, you got to work. If you don't work, you don't eat. Like, yes, he's coming, but you still got to work because you don't know the day or the hour. So you have to live in such a way that he can come at any moment and knowing that he might not come for 50 years. I doubt that very, very greatly. And I've had people coming by the church in the last month. Pastor, how much time do you think we have? I can't put a date on any of it. All I can tell you is what I'm watching in the spirit of God inside of me is saying, get ready. And this message is to not bring you discouragement. It's to bring you hope. Church, if you're ready, yay! Let's go! But in light of that, that doesn't mean you kick up your, your heels and get in your easy chair and wait for him to return. That means, yay, let's go! And at the same moment, oh no, there's a lot of people who don't know Jesus. There's a lot of my family I don't know where they're going to be. I don't know if they're ready. I better tell them, get ready. See, this doctrine of eminence, it, it encourages us to evangelize and to build up the church. Does it not? Build up the church, strengthen the church. That's what I'm trying to do. See, I believe that he could come in any moment, so I don't want you afraid. I don't want you discouraged. I want you ready. Once you knowing the truth and being about our father's business. So when he comes, he can go, well done. I don't want him ashamed of you. You're going, what are you saying? Jesus very plainly said, if you are ashamed of me before men, I will be ashamed of you before my father. Not a very popular verse that gets preached. But it's his words and they're in red. So we're not ashamed. Whatever excuse, Jesus is coming. If you feel ashamed by that, get over it. It's the truth. This truth will help build the church until the full number of Gentiles has come in. You should be asking me some questions about that right there. What? What do you mean? Until the full number of Gentiles has come in. Yeah, there's a, it's, it's not a date. It's a number. 
there's going to be a certain amount of Gentiles, of, of non-Jewish believers that have to get saved and receive salvation before Jesus comes. Don't take my word for it. Read your Bible. Romans chapter 11, where Jesus is, Paul is talking about the, the, the Jewish, Jewish um, his Jewish brothers and sisters and the church, and the church is the mystery. And he says this in Romans eleven twenty five. 25, he says, For I do not want you, brothers and sisters, to be uninformed. Well, I don't want you to be uninformed of this mystery so that you will not be wise in your own estimation that a partial hardening has happened to Israel until when? Until the fullness of the Gentiles has come in. When the fullness of the Gentiles has come in, then Daniel's 70th week starts. And that partial hardening that was over Israel, I believe that's going to start being broken up. And they're going to start seeing, because it is Daniel's 70th week. When Daniel and, and the angel told Daniel, it's for your people and your holy city. The main emphasis is back on Israel, for Israel to recognize you've missed your Messiah. And they will have an opportunity. And they will evangelize the rest of the world. But we who are of this age, you hear me, church? We who are of this age need to be about our Father's business until that final number is reached. Amen? Man, I've never come out on time like that perfectly. That's because I stopped, huh? <laughs> Next week, there will be more points. We're only... Oh, I think that was four. Are you encouraged? Okay. We are going to go back into Revelation 6. But I just felt I've had, I've been sitting on some of this for quite a while. And through my discovery and through my study, and I just felt like, all right, Lord, whenever the time's right, you can. And I feel the time is right. Begin to start showing you here biblically, here's the reasons. And then we'll go back into, I'm pretty positive, we're going to go through chapter 6 and then go through the rest of the book. Amen? Amen.